Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Good evening. How are you tonight? You doing good? Good, good. You tired yet? Good. That's what I want to hear. All right. Now, I wish I could have the time tonight to maybe ask you what your favorite Bible character is, but we really don't have time for that. So uh, go ahead and turn, if you will, to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. And I don't know that I would say that Daniel is my favorite Bible character. But it's one of my favorite stories, and it's definitely one of my favorite Bible books. If you think about the book of Daniel, it seems like for the first six chapters, it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle of what God was doing with Daniel in a foreign land and allowing Daniel to be a part of. And then the second half of the book is a lot of things that are Sometimes hard to understand about prophecy. I mean, still some prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled and some very interesting things. God gave Daniel a lot of wisdom and Daniel is in, you know, almost an elite category in the Bible as far as some of those things are concerned. But the book of Daniel starts way, way back. Um, let's read two verses and then we'll pray, and I'll start to tell some of that, okay? In, in, in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and certain of the king's seed and of the princes. So this was when Daniel and his friends were kidnapped. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this lesson that we have tonight. Lord, I pray that you would apply the things specifically that are in this message to their hearts. Lord, this, that's, that's work that only you can do, and we need that work. Lord, I constantly need to be challenged by the Word of God, and I know that because of the Holy Spirit, that when I respond in faith, you will change me. And Lord, I pray that we would have young people tonight respond in faith, and maybe there's someone here tonight that has not received you as Savior yet this week, that they would say, you know what? It's enough. I'm going to stop holding out, and I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior tonight. We ask that you do this and so many other things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you know the name Hezekiah, but Hezekiah was a king, a king of Israel. And there was a time in Hezekiah's life where God sent a prophet to him to tell him some really bad news. And God sent the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, God has told me that you are going to die. 
You're sick and you're going to die. Well, Hezekiah already knew he was sick, but he didn't know he was going to die. And so the Bible says that Hezekiah, being sick on his bed, rolled over and looked at the wall and began to cry and cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, would you spare my life? And so uh, Isaiah is on his way out the palace and he's in the courtyard of the palace and God sends him another message and says, Hezekiah, go back and tell him that I'm going to extend his life. And so Isaiah goes back in and he, and he, and he talks to the king and he says, King, God has heard your prayer and he's going to extend your life 15 years. Now, if I knew that I had 15 years to live, and frankly, it really doesn't matter how long I think I have to live, but if I knew I only had 15 years to live, I'd say, you know what, let's make these 15 years count. And I don't know how much I have. I might only have 15 days. You know, who knows? Maybe I only have 15 minutes to live. And so here's the, here's the principle there. Whatever God has given you to live, make it count for him because you don't know which day is your last day. All right? Live today everything you can for God because you don't know when it's all going to be over. So uh, he did not live for God the rest of his life. He kind of eased back and just kind of did whatever. Well, in the process of that time, there were some men from Babylon, some, uh, I guess we could call them an embassage or whatever, some guys that came that were sent from Babylon and said, Hezekiah, we heard that you were sick and, and we heard that you're all better now. We've come to see just how you are and all those kind of things. And so Hezekiah said, yeah, I am. Thanks, guys. And I know, I can't remember if they gave him a gift or anything, but he said, well, let me show you around. And so he showed him the palace and he showed him the treasury and he showed him the temple and he showed him all kinds of stuff. He showed him everything. Isaiah, the prophet, comes to Hezekiah and he says, Hezekiah, um, did there come some men from Babylon to see you? And he said, yeah, there, there, there were. And he said, uh, how much did you show them? And he said, I showed them everything. And I can just see Isaiah shaking his head saying, oh man, why did you do that? You know, you shouldn't have not, you should not have done that. You can't trust these people. Well, he said, well, because you've done that, after you die, the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to take all that you showed them. They're going to take it all the way to their kingdom and they're going to take your children. Your children are going to be kidnapped. That's what we have right here. We see and we saw in the first couple verses that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came in and besieged Jerusalem and kidnapped, took, took, took the gold vessels and kidnapped some of them. Now, we're going to pick that verse up again. It says in verse number four, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, I need a, I need a Nebuchadnezzar, but you can go ahead and put your hands down. Something that I have never done, and I'm going to take the risk. You know, you take a risk when you have people come up here, but I'm going to take a risk. And so somebody told me that their favorite brother-in-law would be a perfect person to do this. So Wesley, you are, you are Brother Dan's brother-in-law. Would you be willing to come be Nebuchadnezzar? He said that you would be willing to do anything for your junior campers. So here he comes. So he put in work so that you didn't have to sit on a metal chair. He ran and ran and ran and ran over to my room. And uh, so he brought you a throne, all right? So you, whoa, 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 whoa. We have something for you, all right? This big old robe. 
you get to wear this tonight, all right? Now, I haven't washed it since the last time it was used. Now, don't let this go to your head, all right? Because that's the problem. You're playing, you're playing Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar did let this go to his head, all right? He thought he was big stuff. So he says, I am big stuff. Yep, see, it's too late. All right, all right, you can sit down, and we're not done. Here we go, right there. Look at that, right? Look at that. What do you think of that? Nebuchadnezzar sitting on his throne. Now, in those days, kings would do something, and it was a little bit like, well, a little bit like taking a, 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 a deer or a moose. I had a restaurant the other day down here in Louisiana, and there was a moose head on the wall. And I thought to myself, I don't think moose are anywhere near Louisiana. In fact, the only moose that I know are way up in the north of the United States. They're not down here. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any down here. Well, you know how a hunter will, will take the, uh, the head of a trophy deer or, or elk or moose or hog or ram or whatever, and they'll put it on the wall? Well, kings kind of did that, all right, in, in this sort of sense. They would go, and when they captured a kingdom, they would take of some of the young people and bring them back to put them in the palace to be servants. And so the goal was that if you conquered people from different lands, then you would have people from different lands in your palace as your servants. And so when you'd go in there, and, and, and it wasn't exactly like this, but you know, you might see a Chinese person, and you might see somebody from Africa, you might see somebody from Europe or South America. And so you had all these people, and it was, it was like, hey, look at how many people I've conquered. Look at how important I am. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was like that. And so that's why he said, when we go to Jerusalem, he commanded his, the master of his servants, he said, I want you to get some choice young people. Now, he said, make sure that these young people are the good-looking young people. So I'm sure that you would be the ones taken, right? Right, right, right. You would be the ones taken because you're the good-looking ones. And, and, uh, and he said, take the smart ones, the ones that you think these are the ones that can learn. And so we're going to take them. And so of those people, what? He took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, there could have been many more. But those are the four that really, really stand out. And so I need some guys that I'm like, okay, sorry, girls. You didn't get kidnapped this time, all right? Um, let's see here. I've picked you guys a lot, but uh, <laughs> cheesy grins, all kinds of stuff. I like it when somebody does that. Uh, yeah, in the red shirt. You come on up here. I like it when somebody points to the person next to them. I'm like, you know what? That, I don't know if that's just being selfless or you just want him to be embarrassed. I'm not really sure. But it, just something about it, I'm like, that's kind of cool. Um, uh, in the plaid shirt next to the guy with the red Yes, thank you. Um, man, there's no guys over here. What's going on? You're not a guy. Um, and uh, how about, how? I don't... In, in, the, in the red shirt, have I used you before? Yeah, you? Did I have you used you? Yeah, okay, you come up. No, no, yeah, right, yep, that one. And yeah, and you too. Yep, you too. We got three reds out of four. Okay, well, that's, that's got some red in it. All right, so you guys are supposed to be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So those guys were well-behaved. So you be sure that, that you are also well-behaved, look smart. Yeah, we're, we're, already, we're already rolling here, all right? So 
The Daniel, though, the key verse we have coming up, so we need to read that. All right? In verse 5, it says, And the king appointed a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wines which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now, among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah, uh, Hananiah of Shadrach, and unto Mishael of Meshach, and unto Azariah Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, this whole chapter, this way, this whole chapter about Daniel's determination to do right. Daniel's determination and therefore his friend's determination to do right. Because all through the book, you see them making decisions that says, I'm going to do right. And you know what's sad is there's a lot of young people today that would rather do what they want to do rather than doing what's right. And you need to make a determination in your life that you're going to do what's right. Because these guys weren't very old. Some people think that at the most, they might have been 16 years old. Well, if Daniel had purposed in his heart, then he did it when he was younger. That's where you guys are. You are making decisions today that will affect your lives for the rest of your lives. The older I get, the more I realize, wow, that's something I thought about when I was a young person. And sometimes I look back and I think, that was a bad habit or a bad choice that I started way, way back. And boy, I wish I'd have made a decision before I ever started that bad habit. And so here's the challenge tonight. Determine to do right with your life. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel purposed in his heart. He said, I don't want to defile myself against God. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change that. But Daniel had determined to do right with his friends. Now, I think that it is probable that the three others, I'm going to call you Daniel, okay? You're the tallest, just makes sense to me, okay? That the three others were either his cousins or his brothers because it was told to Hezekiah, your children, your sons will be the ones that are taken. So it stands to reason to me that they would be all related. Look, you can still have friends that are your family members, okay? Uh, my, my wife's best friend is her sister, okay? I hope that my daughter's best friends are each other. Now, they have other good friends. But here's my point. Daniel did right in choosing his friends. And you need to do right in choosing your friends. Don't let friends just happen in life. You need to choose your friends. As a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for seven years, and I look back on that, and I think, man, there's some kids that had some tremendous potential and even tremendous desire to serve God, but they failed, and they're failures today, and they're full of their flesh because they chose wrong friends. And here's the danger. It's often not the really wicked, bad friends that we think of. When, we, when, when you hear a preacher, you, you think, well, that guy, because he's into this and that, and that's terrible stuff. And well, yeah, obviously you shouldn't be friends with those people, but here's the determining factor, okay? Your friends need to be friends who have determined to do right in their own life. You need to choose friends who have determined to seek God in their lives. And if they're not living a path 
and living a process of doing right in their own life and putting themselves around good people and, and, and the preaching of God's word and church people and those kind of things and doing right in their lives, then you need to say, you know what? I just can't hang out with them as much as maybe I would like to. Maybe you do get along. Maybe you do like them. But don't let your feelings guide your light, life. Let the word of God guide your life. And that's where Daniel was. We're going to see that. But Daniel chose his friends because they were friends that did right. Now, the, the guy that's preaching to the teenagers over there, he has a phrase that I think is fantastic that he says, your friends determine your future. And that is so true. And that's why you need to choose friends that are going to say, yeah, I'm going to do right. That's what I want to do in life is do right. So those are the ones that are good to be your friends. So Daniel did right in choosing his friends, friends that were going to seek God. Proverbs 13 says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Wise people are ones that choose to do right. But Daniel also did right in choosing to obey God with his body. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you guys can come over here. And uh, probably the best thing I'd say to do is, is just, like, you can sit Indian style right here. All right? Sit Indian style. You know what I mean? Just cross your legs on the floor. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, now, we know the story, right? So the king offers, him, offers them the wine that he drinks and the meat that he has, and it was most likely uh, pork or something like that that was against the law of God for them to eat. And so Daniel said, you know what? I, I told God a long time ago that I was going to obey his word, and that's just one of the things I can't do. Well, instead of being rebellious or instead of smarting off to his authority, the Bible says that he requested of the prince of the eunuchs. He had an alternative plan to take to him. His attitude was right, and he had an alternative plan. And so he goes to him, and he says, you know what, would, would this be all right if for 10 days, if for 10 days we would eat water and vegetables? Is that your favorite meal, water and vegetables? Yeah, exactly, sticks out his tongue, he's gross. Most people don't like that, especially guys. You like some meat, right? Whether it's chicken or hamburger or steak or, or pepperoni on pizza, absolutely, we like that. Now, here's, there's some amazing things in this. And this is one of those amazing things. They chose to eat vegetables for 10 days. That's, for a teenage boy, that's a miracle, okay? That's a miracle that, that, a, that a young person would say, you know what, give me the, the vegetables. And so I, I actually brought some over here, uh, some vegetables for you guys. So uh, because you guys, you know, just like doing that, go ahead and grab some. Yeah, lettuce. Yay, he says. Ah, oh, uh-huh, sure you do. You look like a rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of those. All right. Yeah, he just wants, you sure you just want one piece? How about a, how about a couple more? Yeah, he's like, no thanks. No thanks. So, yeah, nobody really wants to eat just vegetables all the time. I tried to do that for a week one time, and it was like Wednesday, and I was looking at squirrels like, oh, man. Oh, I bet that guy tastes really good. And frankly, I didn't. I tried to do it for five or seven days, and I think I only lasted three and a half. It was terrible. It was terrible. I don't think it helped me at all. Uh, but but that's a miracle. Now, in this process, God does a miracle because He says, in ten days, if we're not doing better than everybody else physically and mentally, then we'll do what you want us to do. You know what He's doing? He's saying, God, you're going to have to do a miracle because there's no way in the world that just vegetables. That at the end of those ten days, the Bible says they were fairer and fatter in their flesh. Now, vegetables are supposed to help you lose weight, not gain weight. Okay, so. 
that's a miracle. Now, here's something else that, that I hadn't ever thought about before, and it dawned on me one day. Ten days was the test. But that didn't mean at the end of the ten days that Daniel and his friends are going to start eating the meat that would defile them, did it? So probably for three years, he ate vegetables and water. That's a sacrifice. For three years. And maybe for the rest of his life, he made the choice to say, I will say no to what my body desires. And that's something that you need to do. You need to determine that you're going to do right in obeying God with your body. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and you are not your own? That you are bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not your body anyway. But this world lives to please the desires of the body. And they tell you that you need to do the same thing. Well, nobody should deny you from that. It's just natural. It's what everybody does. But no, no, I don't care what your body desires. You need to tell your body who's in control. That's what Paul said when he says, I keep under my body. I give it a black eye. I punch it. I keep under my body, lest when I have preached to others, when I have told others about Jesus Christ, that I'm a castaway, that I'm garbage because I didn't control my body. And one of the things he's saying there is, if you don't control your body, you're going to be garbage one day. You look at this world. You know, they, they get into drugs and alcohol and immorality, and it destroys the body. If you honor God with your life, God will honor you. And that's exactly what happened to them because when they obeyed God with their bodies and said no to their fleshly desires, what happened? At 10 days, this is, this is I'm going to show you something maybe you've seen before. Maybe I'm just super slow, okay? And it says, uh, verse number 19, this is at the end of the test, the king communed with them and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, therefore they stood before the king. And that's usually kind of where I stopped. I said, yeah, they're better than all the guys that they were with. Time out. That's not the end of the chapter. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better, don't miss it, than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. This was a huge kingdom, and, may, and it was this, this city of Babylon was the greatest city in the world for 300 years. That's a long, long time. And these guys, young people, were smarter than every wise man in all of the realm, not just the guys that they studied with, but everybody, they were smarter than them in everything that he asked them. That is amazing. But listen, if you honor God with your life, God will honor you. That's the principle. He that humble himself will be exalted, but he that exalted himself shall be abased. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let God do it, because he's going to do such a better job than you are. So these guys honored God with their bodies. Another thing that they determined to do right in was to not be changed by the world that they were in. Notice chapter 1 in verse number uh, 7. And unto, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah, Shadrach, and unto Mishael, Meshach, and unto Azariah, Abednego. So in those days, 
I'm sorry, it's a little boring for you guys up here. But in those days, they would change everything about them. When I told you that they would bring them into the kingdom, and they, would, they, would, uh, they wanted the smart ones, and they wanted the good-looking ones, they would change everything about them. I am sure that they didn't go into their houses and say, okay, guys, go, while we're kidnapping you, we want you to pack your clothes and all your favorite things. No, there's no way they did that, all right? They just took them. And they were probably, you know, they might have been tied together as they marched all the way to Babylon. And when they get to Babylon, on, they're going to they're gonna dress them like they want them to dress. They taught them the language of the Chaldeans. They educated them in their own schools. They changed everything about them, their language, their names, their clothes, and they're trying to change their religion. All their names had something to do with Jehovah God. But when they came to Babylon, all their names were changed to something that had to do with the gods of Babylon. Now listen, I don't think that any of you are going to be kidnapped in your lifetime and taken to Babylon or a place like Babylon and have the things happen to, the, to you that happened to them. I don't think that. But you know what I think the devil is doing? I think the devil is doing all these things to you right here, right now in our country. That maybe he won't change your name, but he wants you to dress like the rest of the world dresses. He wants you to talk like the rest of the world talks. He wants to change your language. He wants you to think like the rest of the world thinks. He wants to change what you believe to what the rest of the world believes. And there's a lot of pressure right now that we shouldn't say that certain, certain things are wrong because we, we should just be tolerant of everybody. Look, we need to determine that we are going to do right in the face of the world that wants to change us. We need to be like Daniel and his friends and say, no, I'm not going to change. I'm going to stay true to God because I have determined to do right in my life. And then also I want you to turn to chapter 3. We're going to read some verses there. That they determined to do right in the face of death. Now, I don't know where Daniel was. So Daniel, I just want you to, you can kind of come over here, Okay. And just, just stand here, and I want to, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, I want you guys to stand right here. All right? And so at this time, yep, at this time, King Nebuchadnezzar, because King Nebuchadnezzar is such a big shot, right? He thinks he's something special. In fact, there was a time in his life where God humbled him. Uh, in those days, uh, they would build all kinds of things. In fact, to him is attributed the building of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Hanging Gardens. You see, he had a wife that was from Egypt. He might have had a wife, but that was one that he really liked. And so, because she was from Egypt and near the Nile River, uh, everything was green to her. Well, when he married her, she came to live with him in Babylon and things weren't green. And so he wanted to please her. And so he built this beautiful hanging gardens and it was a, a feat of engineering that they would take water and somehow get it to the top without electrical or, or, or gas run pumps like we have today. And so it was an amazing thing, right? Well, also, Babylon, one of the reasons why it was the greatest kingdom or greatest city for over 300 years is because it had these walls that were built around it. And I mean walls that were ridiculous, okay? Uh, these walls were, and you can look this up, right? These walls were, they weren't 14 feet tall. They weren't 25 feet tall. They weren't 50 feet tall. They were 300 feet tall. Now, 
that's a little bit ridiculous, I think, but that's what, that's what history tells us, is they were 300 feet tall and that they were 80 feet thick. Now, from here to the basketball go in the back is longer than, uh, it's, it's probably a little longer than 80 feet, as I'm guessing, uh, but it's going to be pretty close. It's going to be close enough that you could easily play basketball uh, sideways on that wall, and it was 35 feet deep so that no intruder could try to dig underneath it. These walls made Babylon so secure that people said, you know what, it's, it's impregnable. You're not going to get into that city and destroy it. And, and Babylon, or Nebuchadnezzar, would take credit for those kind of things. They knew that whatever they built, they'd put their name on it, and they'd say, this was built by King Nebuchadnezzar in the year of blah, blah, blah. Well, he was proud about that. So one of the things that God did to humble him is he struck him down and made him like an animal. Now, you don't have to do that, okay? But his hair grew long on his arms, and it says his fingernails grew into like claws, and he ate the grass of the field, and he acted like an animal. In fact, all his wise advisors and counselors were like, you know what, get out of here. So they kicked him out of the city. And it's amazing, God's sovereignty and control, because you'd think the greatest kingdom on the planet would 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 have been wanted, somebody would have wanted to uh, overtake them, and, and that would be a perfect time. But God preserved the kingdom, and seven years later, there's Nebuchadnezzar. Now, history, because they're secular and they don't believe the Bible, they don't want to corroborate that. They don't want to agree with that. They, they don't want to say that. But there's a seven-year period where if you go and look at all the history and all that, there's nothing that he built in seven years. In fact, there would be things that, that he talks about, that he wrote down, that he says, I was out of my mind for seven years. I don't need history to tell me the Bible's true, but it really is neat sometimes when they have to agree. Well, anyway, during this time, he's so stuck on himself that he builds a giant statue of himself, 60 feet tall, okay? 60 feet tall statue of himself. And, uh, and it was only nine feet wide, which made him look really skinny, which I think was probably a little bit of an exaggeration. Let's be honest, all right? And so this 60 feet tall statue made of gold, and he, and he said, hey, all the kingdom, everybody has to come. And when certain music is played, then everybody has to bow down. And if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into my fiery furnace. So, Music plays, and here is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Everybody bows, and they're just standing there. That gets a little awkward after a while, and people are probably staring at him just saying, just get on your knees, just bow down. You don't have to mean it, just do it. You're going to get killed for this. You know what? Don't conform to what everybody else is doing just because somebody says it's a smart idea. You need to do right. Even if it means death, you need to decide in your life that you're going to do right no matter what the consequences are. Oh, I love what they said. You've got to look at that. Uh, am I in the right chapter? No, chapter 3 in verse number, um, we'll have to start in verse 15. Now, if you be ready at the time, he's giving them a second chance. He's giving them a second chance. And you really have to do some acting here, Nebuchadnezzar. All right, you'll see in a moment. You'll know what I'm talking about. All right? Now, at the time that you're ready to hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God who shall deliver you out of my hands? You know what? On the inside, I'm like, my God, <laughs> that's the one who's going to do that. But this is what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
Oh, this is so good. They said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. They're like, you know, we don't have to think about this. This is our final answer. No. All right. They said, we're not careful to answer. We're not even thinking about it. We know what we're going to do because we determined a long time ago that we were going to do right no matter what. If so be, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. If that's the way it's going to be, our God can do that. You want to know which God? Our God. That's what they're saying. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not. You know what they're saying? Even if God doesn't do it. Be it known, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Wow. What determination. Even if God doesn't deliver us, we still worship him. It doesn't change what God does or does not do to my life. This reminds me of Job. When Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And this is what happens. Oh man, the king is mad now. He doesn't even get him a second chance. The Bible says that his face changed. He was so angry. So give us your angriest face you've ever had. There it is. <laughs> there it is. He was so angry, he had the guards come and throw him into the fiery furnace. Yeah, just step back just a little bit. Yep. And when they threw them in, the guards died because it was so hot. The guards didn't even go in the fiery furnace. They just got close to it, and they died. It was that hot. But when they were in there, the king looked in and said, didn't we throw three guys in there? And why is there four? And why does the fourth one look like the Son of God? Because it was. Because it was. God stood with them. Listen, when you stand for God, God's standing there right with you. You may not know what to say, but God says, in that hour, I'll give you the words to say. You don't have to worry about that. You stand for God, no matter how scared you are, and there will be times when you're scared. There will be times you're nervous. That's okay. That's okay. God's right there with you. There was a time when he stood for right, and he stood for you. And you can stand for him, but you're going to have to determine right now. You can't wait till you get to that time. You can't wait and make that decision there. You can't choose the wrong friends, hang out with them, and all of a sudden say, well, I'm not going to go that far. You've already chosen to follow them, and that's why a companion of fools will be destroyed. It doesn't say that you are a fool. It says that you're with them. When you hang out with foolish people, you do foolish things, things that you'll regret for the rest of your lives. And you need to determine that you're going to do right no matter what the cost. Now, when, you, when it's all said and done, somebody might say, well, Daniel really didn't affect Babylon. Well, Daniel really didn't affect Babylon. Well, we go further, Nebuchadnezzar. Actually, Nebuchadnezzar, at this time, you're dead, all right? So sorry about that, but you can take off the robe and the hat because you're really kind of going to give it to somebody else, but we're not going to put somebody else up here. So thank you for, for what you've done. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you guys can sit down too, but I still need Daniel, all right? I still need Daniel. Now, there was a time, and I thought about using Dan for this, but I think I'm going to be gracious to him and not use him. But there was a time that Daniel is probably now 70 years old, is what we think that he was. And at 70 years old, if you want to turn, it's chapter 6 and verse number 1. Chapter 6 and verse number 1. It pleased Darius, different king, to set over the kingdom 120 princes, rulers, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three were presidents, of whom Daniel was first. So Daniel was second only to the king. God honored him because he honored God. 
that the princes might give accounts to them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit. Why? He chose to do right. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was found any error in them. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now, I don't think that they're saying that um, Daniel obeys our laws, but he doesn't obey his God's laws, so we can get him on disobeying his own God's laws. No, no, no. I think they're saying that Daniel does right so consistently that we need to find something in God's word that we can make illegal. And we make that illegal, and we'll get Daniel. And this is just a side note, but I think the world is doing that today in our country trying to make preaching of God's word illegal, trying to make it hate speech. That's very similar to what they're doing. Now, the king sought to set him over the whole realm, and these guys were jealous. They were angry. They didn't like this. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's because they were Babylonians, and he's Jewish. And they're like, look, why is some Jewish guy, why is he in charge of our country? That should be our job. And it could just be that people are people. There's always people that do wrong, and there's always going to be people that aren't going to like you, okay? Just do right. Regardless of what everybody else does, just do right. And that's what he was doing. They said, look, that's what he does. He just does right. So here's the plan. Daniel prays. He prays consistently. Daniel's always praying. So if we make a law that for such a certain amount of time that you can't pray to anybody except for the king, then we'll get him. You know what? And Daniel heard about that. Daniel heard it. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, you know what Daniel did? He went home and he prayed. And he probably knew that they were watching. But you know what? A long, long time before, Daniel had determined that he's going to do right. And Daniel saw God be faithful to him. And here's another lesson we learn. When you are faithful to God, God is faithful to you. In fact, God is always faithful to you. God is always faithful to you. So here Daniel was being faithful. And so the penalty for this wasn't a fiery furnace. It was a den of lions. And I needed a lion. And I thought, you know, we'll just use somebody with a beard. And, and he can be the lion. But you know what? I thought that was a little hokey. So they throw Daniel into the lion's den. And so Daniel's down there in the lion's den. And, and there are lions. It's actually, it's a, it's a den of lions. There were lions there. There are people that will say, oh, there weren't any lions. There were lions there. We know there were lions there because when they threw the other people in, they died. They were eaten by the lions. So we know there were lions there. But when he's in there, these lions, I don't know. I don't know what your mind says. And sure, sure, God could have put these lions over on the other side and he stayed away from them. But very likely, they weren't. I mean, they're animals. Maybe they were like a cat, and they just came and sniffed him. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they licked him to see if he tasted good. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he used one for a pillow. I think after an hour, and I thought, you know, I'm in here, and they haven't killed me yet, so I'm either going to go or I'm not going to go, um, and maybe God's protecting me, so I'm going to go touch one right? Like I tried to touch the bear. Bad idea. So maybe it wouldn't have worked out for me, but I would have at least said, you know what? We're going to give it a try. And so maybe Daniel tried to give it a try and, and pet a cat, a big cat, but God protected him. The king was nervous because the king knew this guy does good. He's like, man, why did I sign this? That was so stupid of me to sign this law. So it was early in the morning and the king runs out 
And the king looks down in that pit and he says, Daniel, are you there? Did your God protect you? And Daniel says, yes, God protected me. God was faithful to me. You know, even better than that, Daniel was faithful to God. In the midst of all those things, he has not been around his family. He has not been around his, his, his hometown. He's not been around those things for years. Maybe he's still even eating vegetables because he's trying to be faithful to God. Dan, you can go ahead and sit down. Thanks for coming up here. But you need to determine that you're going to do right. Now, some people have criticized Daniel, and they'll say, well, you know, Babylon was never godly. Daniel never affected Babylon. Babylon never affected Daniel. Daniel was faithful right up to the end. And, and, and God in the future talks about Daniel and how godly Daniel was, puts him in a special category with only two other people. And I look at that and I say, wow, Daniel had determined at a young age that he was going to do right. He said, I'm going to do right, no matter if it's inconvenient to me, whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to choose right friends. I'm going to do right with my body. I'm going to do right no matter what happens. That's my decision. And young people, I'm asking you today, and God is asking you today with this passage, would you determine in your heart and your life that you're going to do right with your body? Would you determine in your heart that you're going to do right in choosing your friends? Now that might be hard. You might have to go home from camp this Saturday, and be confronted with one of those friends that you know this person is not looking to serve God in their life. This person is not looking to do right. And you know what you need to tell them? This isn't easy. This may be one of the hardest things you ever do, but it may be one of the best things you ever do. You need to look them in the eye and say, look, if you're going to continue to do wrong, and if you're not going to seek after God, then I can't hang out with you. I can't. You say, well, I may not have any friends. You'll have God as a friend. And God will put people in your life to be your friends. I promise you that. Anytime you give to God, he either gives back or gives better. God will give you what you need in your life. You need to trust him as Daniel trusted him to do the right thing and said, I can't have that friend in my life. And you need to determine right now that you're going to keep your body pure as best as you can in this wicked world. That you are not going to be impure in this world. That you're going to say no to the desires of your flesh. And that you're going to say yes to what God wants you. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. 
May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.